do you take a huge brick and mortar business online? Well, how about doing it with a team of three and showing the board what's possible? Our guest today did just that, starting a digital department inside Bulls, a building equipment rental company that's been around since 1977. Learn how Bjorn spearheaded the 8,000 people strong company to not only go digital, but to go composable, including their curious approach that involved a monolithic platform first, on purpose. You're listening to People Changing Enterprises. I'm your host, Jasmine Goodman, and please enjoy this episode with Bjorn Kryan, Director of Digital and E-Commerce at Bulls. Bulls Rental is an equipment rental company. We are active in 18 countries. And in these 80 countries, we have 750 depots, shops for our business customers, and something like 3,000 rental points for our DIY customers. That's huge. And see, it never ceases to amaze me. You're a really big company. You have a lot of customers. And yet, if I go around and ask 50 people, probably, I don't know, uh, very few would be able to tell me what you've just told me. What was your role when you started? I started back in 2016 as a director of marketing and communications. But at the time when I started, I was a little surprised because the focus was mostly on offline. And that's not only for bulls, that's for the whole industry. Back in 2016, you can say that they were really late in adopting online. Uh, most of the companies in rental were still focusing on the rental guides and going to fairs. And within three years, we introduced segment marketing, campaign management, market intelligence, and also in a uh, small online department. But it was really small at the time. So that's where we started. So how did the idea of a digital department come about? What made you consider that and what made you actually do it? So we had a webshop, but it was really minor at the time. There was no focus on it. But there were a few reasons why we had to start a digital department. And the first reason was that we had more than 90 websites at the time. And that was, yeah, that was really a lot. I think we did something like 350 million euros. And at the moment we are doing 1.6 billion euros. So we grew a lot. And Bulls grows not only organically, but also by acquisitions. And when you do an acquisition, you also get a new website. And so you end up with a lot of websites. And so if you have one product on one website and a product on another website, it's impossible that it's on cross-selling. So we were really looking to consolidate all these websites into one platform, maybe one-stop shop. So that wasn't really an, an important one. The other one was that the bulls.com that we had at the time was built on really yeah, outdated technology. So we really needed to go to new technologies. That was another reason. And the third reason that we had was that our customers and also the internal organization were asking for a self-service portal. So there's not only the website, but also self-service. And I think these three reasons, and also the fact that we were looking for a CRM system, a PIM, a DEM, yeah, everything together, yeah, made it a good decision to go for a digital department. The problem that we had is that we were not connected to any backend systems. So it were all standalone websites, different CMS systems, not connected to the backend system. Yeah, what we had is it was really difficult to get all the data aligned. And let's call about product information, other content. So how do you align all this data and all this content, all kinds of systems? So it was really important for us to have just one system and use that as a source. Yeah, and especially if we talk about PIM, product information management for our listeners. 
how do you even, and if you store your data in various background systems, you're in hell very shortly because mistakes happen and then you need to find out where it went wrong. And oh my goodness, congratulations for seeing the opportunity. How did you make that happen? Because it is a big change. It's very hard for people to let go of something that they've had for a long time and embrace the new thing. How did you make that happen? I think the first thing that we did was starting up this digital department. And that was quite easy to start because I took three colleagues from the marketing department and we just started the new department. So that was quite easy. But the challenge was upfront to talk to, especially the executive board. Yes. The questions that I got there for, if we are going to focus more on digital, what is the impact on the offline channels? So are we talking about cannibalization? So everybody knew that we needed the online channels. But yeah, what does that exactly mean for the organization if you go online? And on the other hand, what happens if you don't do it? So if the competition goes for these online channels and goes for this web shop and you don't do this as a company, what is the impact? It? So it's not only about gaining money, but also what are you going to lose if you don't do it? How did the team structure change then? What else had to change in order for you to be successful? So what we did is we started three sub-departments within digital. And the first one is digital enablement. And in digital enablement, we have the product owners. And then only the product owners that are working on the customer-facing solutions. So the websites, the apps, the portals, that kind of things. Then in the second team that we have, the digital development department. And with the digital development, we have our business analysts, we have our desktops, we have our developers, and then only the web developers. So focusing on the front end. The backend developers are in the IT department. So we have a split. Then the third department that we have is the e-commerce department. And as I said, we start with three people, three colleagues. The e-commerce department is focusing on getting traffic to the website. So it's about SEO, it's about campaigns, it's about content, KPIs, frameworks, data. That is what they do. And so we can think about the new solutions that we want. That's what the product owners do together with the stakeholders and the business, of course. Then we have the developers who can develop it. And then we have the e-commerce department who make sure that the app gets traffic to the website and make money out of it. So that's how it works. How big is the digital department now? At the moment, we are with, I think, something like 25, 26 internals and 50 or so external. So it's a big difference with the three that we had three years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it, so it tells me that you've been wildly successful because you only grow a team that quickly if you see results. Curious about the split between front-end and back-end developers. Yeah. How is that working for you? Yeah, we have lots of discussions about it. You can imagine, of course, uh, yeah. Some people say, when yeah, you should have the back-end and front-end together. It's all IT. Others say you can split it. For us, it really works well because we have the product owners and the e-commerce team and the developers sitting together working on the same things, just as one team. And what we did, we first made sure that we had an integration layer. So first it was all point to point that we had. And so we made sure that we had an integration layer and we said below the integration layer, that's IT. So making sure that we have the CRM information, pricing information, that kind of thing from the backend systems, that's also IT. Then we have the integration layer and for the integration layer, also IT is responsible. And then the digital development department, yeah, they take the data that we need through APIs from the integration layer to the front end. So that's how we work now. 
Super interesting. And that's a great segue into ways of working, because I'm sure you're, the way you work and just the setup that you've just described means you're, you have a very new way of working compared to how, what you came into in 2016 when you started at Bulls. Tell us a bit more about that. How did the ways of working change? How do you operate today? When we started with this new department, I think we were the first team working agile. So the, no mm -hmm. team in the tools organization worked with agile at the time. So we introduced this in Scrum way of working. And it was easy in the first days because we had only one team. We only had the Bulls of Scrum team. But a few months later, or half a year later, we had the My Bulls team. So for the self-service portal. And that was also Scrum team. And then we got a CRM team, and then we got a team for DOI, and then we got a team for careers, and so on. At a certain point of time, it became that big that the dependencies became, yeah, became really difficult. And also the dependencies mm -hmm. from the IT department, because the IT department has to work with so many Scrum teams in the, in the front end, and also with the marketing department, because you have this overlap of marketing as well. And I think that was the biggest change for us. And last year, I think it was 2020. Two, we decided to go for a scaled agile approach. So we moved from the scrum teams that we had to the safe implementation. That's amazing because you adapted to the growing, literally the growing needs of the business and agile is great in those early stages when you have small teams and not four digit number of teams, once you get there find it admirable that you were able to pivot because SAFE is a fantastic framework, but it's something that's not hugely popular, I, it's my feeling. How has that worked out for you? Is it something you're going to stick to? I was in the middle of this transformation, to be honest, because as you said, we did just four or five PIs, PI plannings, but now we are working on the strategy streams and all the arts and how should they look like. And as you can imagine, it's, it's something that we do company-wide. So it's not only for our departments, we do it with the whole company. So we are not there yet, but we're making a big progress there. But yeah, it seems to work for us now. And that's great. That's all that matters, right? It's like in life, you need to find what works for you and you can look at others to get inspiration, but ultimately you have to figure out what works for you and what actually really gets you where you're wanting to go. So yeah. talking of that, what improvements did the business see? What is working better now than when you started your journey at Bulls? I think that since we are implementing a safe framework and the, the new way of working, the teams are better aligned and have clear goals. So I think that's a big improvement and the stakeholders are better involved. So everything is transparent to the organization and everything is put in the big backlog. Everybody says, sees what is on the backlog and it's easier for executive boards to manage the total digital and IT portfolio. So you have the oversight now and you have a steering instrument at the moment. So that, I think that's a big advantage. Absolutely. And I love that you're, the majority of your conversations with the board were about the customer. That's how it should be. And as a business that spends a crazy amount of products and audiences, you managed to settle on just five customer journeys. Tell me a bit more. I'm super curious. How did you create those customer journeys for Bulls? I have to go back to 2017 when we made the first customer journeys. And it was also the time that we were talking about digitizing tools as a company. And so you could always only talk about technology. Why do we need a new website? Why do we need a new CMS? But the question is, for who are we building this? What do we need to build? And so we decided to start with the customer journeys instead of the technology. So what we did, we did a lot of market research. 
So we looked at the competitors, we looked at our customers, we had custom interviews. What do you expect bulls to have digitally in the future? How can we help you? What else did we do? So we had, I think, more than 40 workshops together with our colleagues from the marketing department, from sales, from IT, from legal, from all kinds of departments. We made this big brown papers, we put them in the wall, we invited customers all together. We looked at these brown papers and asked them, is this really what you want us to build for you, to help you? And we made some minor, some small changes. And then that was for us the blueprint to start the technology. And these brown papers, they are not brown anymore. They are now really nicely grabbed out. We have them on the wall in our uh, department. Nice. Everybody who enters the department sees this big uh, customer journey. And that's what we were aiming for. So that's how we developed customer journeys. And we saw that we talk a lot of always about personas. And the persona is, let's say, the painter between 35 and 20, 35, two children, reach the certain magazine, et cetera. So that's how we started the personas in the first place. And then we saw that it didn't really matter if a customer was a plumber or he was a landscaper or it was more about the size of the company. So if you have an corporate size customer, you have decision makers, you have users, everybody has a different role. If you look at the other end of the spectrum, you look at the self-employed customer, for example, or the DIY customer, they're the purchaser is the user. All the roles are in the same person. So when you want to show certain information on the website, on a portal, in certain cases, the information should be all together available just for one person. And in other cases, you just want to show a certain amount of information. So, and that was the conclusion that we had. And that was the reason why we developed these five journeys. So for the corporate customer, for the, that's called the large companies, the mid-sized and small customer, and then the DOI and the self-employed customer. I love the fact that you brought in the customers to actually sense check what you thought about them. Let's talk about the technology that you need to support those new customer journeys once you come up with them. How did you find the right technology for your needs? Well, we started. Yeah, the situation was completely different compared to now. Just three people in the department. There was no knowledge at the time. We were looking for agencies that had the knowledge. It was also a requirement to choose a platform where you can find the developers for. And we had a lot of time pressure at the time. We really needed to merge all these websites together. So to have this one-stop shop. And because at that time we decided to go for monolith. So we didn't go for composable, but idea was that when the organization grows, we really will, yeah, will go for a composable architecture. So first start with monolith to start to speed things up. That was the idea to get the capabilities in the team and when that's ready, so when you have this one-stop shop, then start decomposing the monolith as you have it, changing the CMS and PIM system, slowly start decomposing the thing that you have and build up the composable infrastructure. So that's how we, yeah, that's how we did it. And that's so interesting that you did that start to finish. You onboarded a monolithic system, knowing that you would eventually slice away and slice away until you didn't need it anymore and could go fully composable. How did that work for you? Harder, yeah. easier than expected? No, we're not in the stage that we are fully composable at the moment. Mm -hmm. But when we made the decision to go for this monolith at the time, I had lots of discussion with 
yeah, with my peers in, in other companies. And some of the companies were already working Composable at the time. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, I'm in the phase where you were three years ago. What should I do? Should I go for the Composable? Just make this big step at once? And they said, don't do it. Just first go for this monolith. Make sure that, your, that you have the right capabilities in your team, that you have the technological knowledge. And then when that's there, then we start decomposing. And that's how we did it. So last year, 2022, we made the decision to go for content stack. And because we saw the limitations of the CMS that we had at the time, but the platform that we choose this monolith, it was in Commerce Engine, it was a CMS in Imperi, but it was built in such a way that was in the cloud. So that was one. And it was headless. Only the CMS wasn't, yeah, that capable of the things that we needed. So it was relatively easy to change the CMS. And we did it last year with our career website as a start. So there we first introduced content stack of CMS. And now in Q1 2023, we are going to put the content stack CMS on the, the commerce engine that we have. You need a certain level of digital or technical maturity to run a composable system, a composable tech stack well. Yeah. Very smart move to say, hey, we don't have that capability in-house just yet. Here's a temporary solution that will get us to where we need to go and then deploy the composable approach because it will make us faster, more flexible when you look at your long-term vision for that kind of technical environment. Yeah. There are still brick and mortar businesses out there, believe it or not. If they are just starting out and creating digital or at least partially digital customer journeys, any advice you've got for them? Not only look at Composable, but on the whole mock architecture philosophy. I think you should do it gradually. What we did, and it worked really well, well for us, we first worked on going to the cloud. So IT department, they migrated all the servers that they had and everything to the cloud. We bought a CRM system. It was all were also cloud-based. We had an, an CMS and Suite and Monolith that was also cloud-based. So everything was the cloud. That was the first thing. The second thing that we did was getting this integration layer in place to make everything API-based. So then you have the C in Mach cloud and you have the A for APIs also in place. And then the next step that we are making now is the headless part. And then so you build things up yeah, and I think that's great advice because it really is, there's pros and cons to everything, right? And I think you did a great job at identifying your needs first and then seeing, okay, what fits the bill? What do I actually need and what's going to get me the best value for money? You worked with several partners, external partners during your transformation. Any advice for our listeners about how to best incorporate those partners into your change process? We work with two kinds of partners. We work with, let's call it the implementation partners. So because we started just three of us, we needed lots of externals to help us develop things that we need. So that was the first part. So we started with three and lots of externals. Are we trying to flip that now? So have more internals and less externals. So that's what we are doing now. And the other partners that we have around change management. Because as I said, Pulse was a brick and mortar organization. And when you start digitalizing, you need to talk to your colleagues to tell them what the change means. Oh, and that's something that is so often overlooked. I cannot tell you the number of times that people in hindsight say, yeah, we got the technology part right, but 
it went downhill from there because people didn't know how to use it, didn't like it. I love that you actually brought in external help to do that. Many times that is something that's not addressed and it can make life very hard for people for a long time. So how did that decision come about? Yeah, I think it came really naturally. So when we started developing, I think we recognized that we were in an organization that was not really familiar with the digital way of working. So we said we needed somebody to help us. We don't have the time. We need somebody with the expertise explaining it to the organization what we are doing and why and how we are helping them. And to be honest, it didn't always go right that several times there was some misunderstanding and, but yeah, that's how we managed it. And now at the moment, since a few months, we are starting off an internal organization around change management. So now which we'll have in place in the Bulls organization, just looking at change, not only for digital partners, for all the change that you see in the organization. Yeah. To make sure that everybody is involved, that communication is there. Yeah. That's what you're working on now. And that will make you future fit in the best possible sense, because if one thing is permanent and it is change. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to People Changing Enterprises. This show is brought to you by ContentStack, the leading composable digital experience platform for enterprises. Got a question or suggestion? Email us at podcast at contentstack.com. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week with a new episode helping you make your mark.